State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to State of the Empire, the Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And with this episode, we're going to talk about Star Wars Celebration. This is the third celebration in Orlando, the third celebration at the Orange County Convention Center. It's the first in Orlando since we started State of the Empire formally, but we've been, we did some nerdy show episodes back in the day taking place in and around celebration and you may have you may recall our uh, episode following the prior celebration in the u.s when we were all over in anaheim so in this episode we're going to be talking about all the things we saw all the things we did the big announcements the episode seven trailer so let's talk about this show and what our expectations were going into this particular installment of star wars celebration well full disclosure i didn't go (laughs) (laughs) on his plate well, I mean, you're kind of in a position like we all were for Celebration Europe, though, where you could kind of like observe the proceedings on like yes. a macro level and pay attention and almost in a weird way, kind of like have access to in- information faster. And it's actually... almost. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is a convention experience I have all the time covering con- convention at the convention. My editors will always know shit before I do unless I'm like in- actually in the place where that's happening, you know? Right, right. I mean, it's gotten to the point like after going through the Celebration Europe experience of watching everything online and then actually being here this year, like I'm more convinced than ever, like they have the the streaming part down. I mean, no news is coming out unless it's like collectibles news without it being streamed online. Yeah, you lose out on some special things like they they actually showed us the premiere for Rebels at the Rebels panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't stream yeah, that the season. First episode of season four of Rebels. We've seen it. And we're not going to talk about that in this episode. We're right. going to talk about that in our Rebels episode, which is coming soon. Going into celebration, my hype meters were off the charts. Like I was going into this thing thinking that we were going to get Last Jedi trailer. Which we did. Uh, announcement of future films. Um, which we didn't. The Han Solo cast together, you know, the Donald Glovers and Emilia. Well, are they are they still filming it, though? They are. However, it would be reckless for the Han Solo cast and crew to be on site at the celebration. Mm-hmm. However, that has been done before by Disney. Mm-hmm. During the filming of Guardians of the Galaxy, they literally brought the entire cast from England over to San Diego mm-hmm. for three hours and then flew them right back to get shooting again. Yeah, and right now we're looking at a May 2018 release for Han Solo. So with no celebration planned for 2018, them, yeah. um, but they're going to go to Comic-Con. But, com- you know, but like... Comic-Con in 2018 is afterwards. Like this upcoming Comic-Con is going to be Last Jedi's Comic-Con. So they won't even be at Comic-Con next year. So Han Solo, the Han Solo film, if it does have a convention-based promotion cycle at all, will not take place in the usual convention spaces. I don't Maybe think New York I, Comic-Con. I just don't think Disney's worried about it. I, well, Maybe they're and, not. And I think that's where, where that kind of leads to what this celebration was. As we quickly discovered, this year it wasn't the EA Star Wars panel. It was the Star Wars Battlefront 2 panel. 
this wasn't the future of Star Wars movies panel, which as it's been named for the last two, this was the last Jedi panel. Mm. And everything is now very specifically titled with no other announcements involved. Like it's just that focus thing. And as much as like celebration, they constantly market it as like, you know, the future of Star Wars, like learn about it. We only learned really about the the near like the short-term future of Star Wars. Within the year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, and in our prior episode of State of the Empire, we were sorting through a bunch of supposedly leaked information, which still seems very good and very credible, um, about the actual future outline for what's to come for Star Wars films, and assumed that at least one of these things would be dropped on us because we only know presently there's only one confirmed Star Wars anthology film to come out, and that's Han Solo that's coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, we don't know. We know we get eight this year, Han Solo next year, and then nine eventually. I mean, maybe that they just don't want to say anything until after quote-unquote phase one's done, which they've never marketed these as phases like they do for Marvel, which, you know, so I, I, I don't know. Well, what they might still be scrambling trying to figure out what the heck to do after Josh Trank dropped out. Yeah, you know, yeah they like, could be. It's just like, all right, we like, because... You know, when you have a movie lined up ready to go, like I'm sure they did, like, you know, copying the Marvel method, right? Right. As soon as they realize this movie's not getting made, everything about that changes. Like, it's not just, oh, well, let's just slide this one up a notch. You know, it's like, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, they, if Boba Fett was supposed to be the third one that comes after, I don't know if they can just so easily bump it up because of all the scheduling involved with whoever they well, were. Had an that, wasn't, director that was not the film we expected to be announced. The film we expected to be announced at this celebration was the Obi-Wan Kenobi right. solo film. Right, sure. And wh- which, whichever one it is. It's like, the, the, I, don't, and, I don't think it's that easy to here's just the thing. flip a switch and do it. It wasn't just us. You know, Anthony Bresnikan published a piece not so very long ago from Entertainment Weekly. Basically, the, the Bresnikan, if you're not familiar with him, is the Lucasfilm-sanctioned uh, loudspeaker for publicizing Lucasfilm news through Entertainment Weekly. Like he's their mouthpiece and he had this very out of character almost op-ed where he straight up said like I think there's going to be an Obi-Wan film. And then the Obi-Wan film was outlined in some detail in the leak we were consulting in last episode. And I was talking with Lucas Siegel, whose uh, listeners of Epic Podcast will know him as a guy who every time he comes on that show brings forward some information, usually about comic books, but not exclusively all the time, that ends up inevitably being some kind of true. And he and I were both on the same page about Obi-Wan and expecting something to happen. In fact, he, he even heard from somebody that Ewan McGregor was cited in town. I, I don't wasn't able to verify that at all, and we don't know. But what this show opened with was a 40th anniversary Star Wars panel. And it was incredible. This entire celebration kicked off with one of the most shocking things they've ever done. They rolled out George Lucas, no prior announcement, and had him basically do a George Lucas, this is your career with, insofar as Star Wars anyway, Mm. with everybody who he's ever worked with throughout the films and television. Him talking to Dave Filoni, him talking to all of his, like, uh, cast from the prequels and the original trilogy all the way up to then revealing you know after after having <laughs> Peter Mayhew and Billy D. Williams and Mark Hamill up on the stage here comes Harrison Ford Harrison Ford at Star Wars Celebration for the first time ever talking with George Lucas on a at a convention panel for the first time ever hmm. and he's usually really odd in convention settings. He doesn't like being there um, at all. And this time, it was he was still a little weird, but a completely different Harrison Ford. Some good jokes, 
some good reminiscence with uh, with George. It was fantastic. And to top it all off, they did this incredible tribute to Carrie Fisher featuring a video which we'll link to. It's it's a just a tear-jerking, beautiful video. And after that video ended, this wall that we were certain was a wall opened up with curtains, and behind that was John Williams and the Orlando Philharmonic Orchestra playing uh, Leia's theme and then doing a, a medley of, of Star Wars music. John Williams, Harrison Ford, George Lucas in the same room. I bore witness to all of it. I cannot believe it. It's one of like the like it's of all the convention experiences in my life. I cannot believe that I saw that. This is one of the like the most show stopping things ever. It it was it was almost perfect. I mean it, it was. I mean, like I said, it was a complete retrospective. Even, you know, the prequels only being represented by Hayden Christensen and Ian McDermott. Like, they got the... And Anthony Daniels a little. Well, Anthony Daniels, yeah, of course. And, I mean, well, actually, Peter Mayhew didn't actually do anything for Chewbacca in Episode 3, right? Like, I don't think he did. I don't I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I I doubt it. Um, Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, the some great, you know, weird but great video... uh, from Samuel Jackson and Liam Neeson, who were cl- clearly like weren't able to come, but wanted to provide some sort of Sam Jackson kept the hammer down for that Mace Window movie. I was <laughs> yeah. so I love him so much. He, I love his personal crusade. Yeah, it's he did my crusade words. too. He did. Yeah. He made it explicitly clear how he feels, and then, like that's what I love about it. Just... Yeah, it's great. And I mean, it was, I mean, terrific. And Kathleen Kennedy started out, out, but then walked away to like let George take care of this. And this has not been the mo for like. Disney's reflection of Star Wars. Right, I mean, right. you know, everyone, a lot of people complained in the beginning that the only mention of Lucas in the whole Force Awakens like lead up was basically his name on the front, Lucasfilm. Right. You know, it's the, it's the best way to acknowledge him. Right, right, right. It's, you know, I mean, but they've separated themselves so well. And then to do the retrospective for the entire saga, they just let the man have like the entire panel. Yeah. And, and it, he was great. It was him just chilling. I mean, <laughs> I, I was joking to everybody, like, if at the end he said, and uh, everyone, uh, I just want to say that uh, I have two weeks left to live, and it's been a real pleasure <laughs> to, to know you. Like, it was so, like, this is, this is, yep. we're never going to see this happen again. If no. it does, it will be a fluke. This was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. This is a last hurrah right. for, for Lucas and Star Wars, and this is it. Right, because even at 50 years, we're going to have so much Disney aspect, like, the, the that 10 years, 10-plus 10 years of Disney. Right. Will be so, like will take up such a significant chunk of that this sort of panel of Star Wars that, as we know it. Yeah, that yeah. Lucas will only quote unquote own half of it. And, you know, and yeah. most of our most revered like actors and filmmakers will, right. might be dead. Yep. So this, unless something could something could happen, there could always be another last word. But for now, this is it, and I can't imagine them being able to pull off anything resembling this no. in the future. Yeah, it was it was incredible, and and that's what they open the show with, and. Going back, looping around back to Obi Wan, that that whole thing was amazing. It must have taken a lot of work to put together, but weirdly, you know, they got video from Liam Liam Neeson, they got video from Sam Jackson, they got Hayden Christensen out on the stage, mm-hmm. who is who is very nervous actually, very like nervous. Be, being back in the. I w- I couldn't blame him. No, yeah, being nervous. Yeah. I mean, he, he said it's great to see all you again, which is which is a nice little. Nice little moment because this is, I mean, I fucking hate those movies. I fucking hate him. Mm-hmm. And Hayden's performance in it sucked, but I don't blame him. I blame George. For Not that. at all. I'm like defensive of Hayden. Yeah, when me it comes too. To it because you see him in other stuff, and you're like, this motherfucker was the right guy. Like he really, he really. <laughs> he was the chosen one. Yeah. <laughs> he was supposed to, supposed to bring a great movie, not destroy it. <laughs> it's not his fault. Leave yeah. him alone. So, but 
Ewan McGregor was never mentioned, spoken of, seen. Yeah, what the fuck? I mean, to, to be fair, neither was Natalie Portman, but I just go ahead and well, write I don't, her they're out not, of they're this. Well, not, they're not saying a Natalie Portman, Queen Amidala prequel film. Well, no, I you know, know. I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if 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 it wasn't for the Obi-Wan rumors, right. there's nothing, like, different about her disappearance from this her, her, than, yeah. than, her, than her his. Her character is, like, fucking dead and gone, uh, you e- know? Well, Ewan, like, Ewan still talks Star Wars. Ian still loves Star Wars. Yeah. Ian participated in Force Awakens. I mean, he contributed dialogue. Yeah. yeah. So this, I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's 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 a theory, a theory, not the theory, but a theory that the press release for this event, which was very cryptic, <laughs> um, going two weeks back prior to the event, it literally drove me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about it. it, it said there was going to be announcements. There were no announcements. We're fairly certain. Whether there's an Obi-Wan film or not, we're fairly certain that the this panel changed shape quite a bit yeah. at the last minute. That mm-hmm. the S- Similar to what happened at the last celebration that we were at when, when we were expecting a spinoff, we had a panel about spinoffs, and it was just a panel about Rogue One. We're like, what about Boba Fett? Oh, well, Josh they, Trank they, is sick. You he know, can't they be here today. Josh right. Trank was going to basically exactly. announce the next film. And then when, as soon as he said he's sick, we're like, wait a minute. And then, sure enough. Yeah, sure enough, yeah. Kathleen Kennedy later confirmed that there was there was a teaser produced, that there was going to be a film. She didn't say what. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So so maybe a similar situation yeah. of, of just last minute change of holy it, shit. And it's just, yeah, not finalized. But and, yeah, and it's such a, it, I mean, that press release highlighted the person, I mean, confirmed Mark Hamill's involvement, confirmed uh, Anthony Daniels and, and Warwick Davis and all these people that were involved. But the headline person that that press release highlighted was Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's whose photo was on the top of the press release. It's like, it, it's just... Not, you know, and I kind of talked about it last well, episode. Well, it's his first celebration, right? It is first celebration. So, you know. But, like, that isn't necessarily the way to draw, like, an audience to see specifically the George Lucas panel that it became. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably other ways, like, you know, with mentioning the Carrie Fisher tribute that they were going to have or other ways to get people to watch it without it being mm-hmm. Hayden Christensen is going to be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have talked about people from all eras or whatever it was. And obviously, be. if they, no matter how long ago they looped George Lucas in, they would want that to be a surprise. Everyone was shocked. Right. But it's, you know, they probably, as soon as they got George Lucas, and then then it only seemed natural, like, that they could then maybe be like, we can get Harrison Ford. If George is there, we can get Harrison there. It's Carrie's tribute. We can, he'll come out for it. Right. And won't everybody be surprised then? And we sure as hell were. Yeah. But that would then have been inappropriate to also announce an Obi-Wan Kenobi film if such a thing were to happen. True. True. Mm-hmm. Um, though, so far, there's no indication that he was ever here for officially in mm-hmm. any capacity. And if he was... Yeah, do you have an official Twitter? Let's see if we can uh, triangulate his I've been trying to keep track on, on social media, but nothing. Mm. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's weird. Um, I mean, there... It's possible that there is no Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. We're just aggressively speculating. But it is strange that there was no talk about the future of Star Wars. There was only talk about the film that we all know is coming out at the end of the year, which is fine. Having a, a laser focus on that, that's fine. But it's contrary to the prior events and the, and the, the nature of the prior events. For example, even, even with the promotion of this year's film, The Last Jedi, in Anaheim, the year that The Force Awakens was coming out, they had a room full of props and costumes. They revealed more about 
the film. They had not real information, but, you know, nuanced, fun stuff. Ship models. You know, what's what on earth is this flame trooper? What is that? Yeah. yeah. Wardrobe. I mean, they had Kylo's wardrobe, uh, Ray's wardrobe, and, and same thing in, in Celebration Europe for Rogue One. Nothing like that at this show. No. Nothing no. remotely like that no, at this show. Not at all. Like no information about the the new vehicles and things like that. That's the thing is they all they 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 coupled everything we saw in the Force Awakens, you know, behind the scenes at, at Celebration before with you know supplemental information could on the be, floor. Could somehow. it be that maybe that year they were on, that type of stuff was only made available because Skywalker Ranch was like so close. Like if they want to bring props and ships and stuff like that out, it's not as far of a trek or not as expensive I, to move. I suppose. I mean, and it might lend something to that if we start to see those sorts of things trickle into uh, Disneyland over the next couple of months. Or, or D23, or the D23. Disney convention. Yep. But it's it's it was odd. But but mm. that's the other thing. Like, But the other conventions have always acknowledged the, the future of... Right. Like... You know, the, well, it's like, it's like they set us was, up for something and then didn't deliver. There was never a word about Han Solo. Yeah, at this convention, like how the, do you Han not, Solo the film? Yeah, yeah. I, I would just say like, yeah. The, the how do you not I, even like like get you know mention it in some sort of panel in order to get a round of applause? Like, the, I don't even the, well, the, the, I Warwick Davis mentioned it to Billy D. Williams in in the Billy D. Williams panel, just of simply, oh, and uh, the character of Lando will be, you know, brought back in the new uh, Han Solo spinoff film. And he's like, yeah, Donald Glover is going to do a great job. He's really charismatic and whatever. And, you know, just and just paid it the lip service. Right. I mean, it was genuine that they, right. you know, wished it well. But it was that's it. <laughs> like, yep. you know, there was no no poster, you know, no no other images. No. Here's a picture of everyone in costume. Just nothing no, like like I mean, I think it's weird that 40th anniversary panel. Like how great would have been to have a message from Alden Ehrenreich. Like yeah. or and and Donald Glover like so, both hey, of them like, this, like a cell phone video of just hey we're on the set and look where, look what's behind us it's the fucking Falcon you yeah know? I mean just, that's you know I guess that's I, the crazy thing is like I just was never expecting Disney to only look backward at their big opening number and then when they have when they have that Last Jedi one to not look beyond that like and also this is the first time the other like we got the full gamut of Rogue One cast. Hmm. And we got the same thing for Force Awakens. This was just, you know, Finn and Ray and and uh, Luke and our new character Rose. Yeah, but Kelly Marie Tran. You know, no, no Benicio del Toro, no Laura Dern, no Oscar Isaac, no uh, Monahan, no Adam Driver, no Gwendolyn Christie. Like, and what's crazy, and like, there wasn't even much recognition of Rogue One at yeah. this celebration. And. and the cast of Rogue One, Felicity Jones, was there signing. She was signing. She she had wasn't a, Forrest Whitaker there too. Forrest what? Whitaker was there. Uh, ben Mendelsohn, I actually not Ben. Mel- uh, Alan Tudyk was there. Um, the guy who played Bodie Rook. Uh, Riz Ahmed. Yep. Yeah. So, a, but, but they're, they're like signing, and like that's it. Yeah, they're, they're signing, but everybody was signing. Hayden yeah. Christian was, was signing. Like people yeah. were signing. There was no. They they did not give the cast of Rogue One an opportunity to get together on a stage and talk about their experience. And there was a behind-the-scenes Rogue One panel, which was great, and I attended, but, like, they had these movie stars there, mm. and they weren't using them. They were, th- si- they were too busy signing. <laughs> That's not true of, you know, Mark Hemmel or Billy D. Williams or anybody else. Th- those folks all had spotlight panels. Well, 
when it comes down to the prices of the autographs, it's like, yeah, Mark Hamill and uh, Billy D. What? How, how much were their autographs? I'm sure that it probably cost more than Felicity Jones and uh, Alan Tudyk. You Felicity know? Jones is an Oscar-winning actress. I'm like, not. No, I'm not like, shit talking like the, no, them. As, I'm, as I'm just saying, like, it's not the kind of person right now at this stage in her career that she's being flown out to Orlando just to sign autographs and then go back to London or I'm whatever. not even saying that that's what she wants. I'm saying Disney's like, okay, this is a money-making machine. But Disney Put doesn't make here. that money. Plug them in here. Yeah, well, does who that, does? Who makes the money off of it? They have a, they have a, an agency that, that works with the casting agents to... I don't, I don't know exactly the terminology here because it's kind of a weird thing, but there's, there's a group that manages autograph signing that exist within the ecosystem of conventions, but it's not Disney. Hmm. So I don't, yeah. Uh, hmm. Either way, they were misused. They should have had more. Well, I, I think it's suspicious, quite frankly. I know, I know. I mean, I know we're, we're, we look for news in all Duran places on this show, uh, but I don't, I don't think that's, that's the wrong place at all. I think it, it only well, what would it mean. It, I, I think that they didn't, <laughs> I think they, that they, they didn't want them talking about the damn movie because they was, they did an interview together on the Star Wars show, like the live stream that was just in the convention hall. Mm-hmm. They never had a panel. It was just, you know, an unannounced, you know, got them up on stage probably after they did their signings because the signings yeah. were located right over right, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, how strange is that? It's Rogue One's going to end up being this weird footnote in like five, six years where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember like. I mean, it's more than that, obviously. But, like, the way Disney's treating it, it's such a one-off thing now that, I think like, they just want to keep a lid on the fact that they didn't know what they were doing, that, you know, right. that they had to make a lot of changes at the right. last minute, and that there's... Maybe Disney felt it was a stumble. Like, even though it sort of, you know, it stuck the landing, they thought the whole process of it was like, oh, oh it's risky. And that might... Reshoots. That, that might be another... Like, once again, they let social media dictate too much how yeah. they need to control things. Like, part of what makes Star Wars lore so fascinating is how much is constantly being learned about the production process how they change things and the For problems they were in. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. exactly it was one of those movies that made blockbuster filmmaking interesting and people want to know so much about it. People want to know how reason, they, they make Tarkin. How they, they make Gary Fisher. Yeah, like, you know, they want to know how it's done. For some reason, I mean, you see those special features or lack of special features yeah. on the Rogue One Blu-ray and you're just like, why do they want to keep everything so under wraps? And, like every missed turn that's and Disney. everything. See, that was Lucasfilm that I, did that back in the but day. But at Star Wars Celebration, actually, if you wanted to see those Rogue One behind-the-scenes features, I saw them. I saw all of them. I saw some incredible panels about production design, the the technical specifications of making it. We'll talk about all that on our Rogue One episode probably in a little bit today. But we have a we have a Rogue One like five months later kind of episode we want to do pretty soon uh, reflecting on that. But it is weird. It's very weird. I don't. I don't. Just, I don't. I just, I just. I don't think Disney. Disney's. Ever since Disney has gotten Marvel and Star Wars, they haven't been really big on bonus features. And like, here's a glimpse behind the curtain. They kind of want to keep it all like magic and keep it all secret. Whereas I feel like Lucasfilm back in the day, uh, with even with Indiana Jones, it was always like, hey, this is how we made it. Isn't this amazing? Look at all. The, look at how we had to choreograph this stunt. Look at how we had to, you know, trigger these explosions at the right time. You know, and, and it was really. I mean, shit, the teaser for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was a behind-the-scenes featurette, <laughs> you know, that led up to it. It didn't even show you anything from the movie. So, I don't know. That's, I think just Disney's overly protective. Of, of, they, th- they think if you know how the magic works, you'll make your own somehow. <laughs> can't have that. Yeah, can't have that. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, Kathleen Kennedy did speak, you know, very highly of Rogue One. She was like, it was a risk, and we were... Uh, you know, and it, it turned out very well. So we'll we'll definitely be taking that lesson to heart. Something like that. I, I've written mm. down somewhere. But it it you know, but but you're right. 
based on on everything the row one in the grand scheme of things as time passes could just be a weird footnote for star wars yeah i mean give it enough time i mean i mean the characters very unlikely as much as i would like to see it will we get stories of their origins because you know they just had one movie to create a lasting legacy Mm -hmm. they probably will have some cameos in the future who knows but i think the their only hope was that maybe they could somehow spin off like a Bayes and Chirrut movie if like the movie was hugely successful in China. Right. But I don't know if well, that's going to happen. We, we did uh, get an announcement at midnight the day, um, well, the, the very day of celebration starting via Entertainment Weekly about Forces of Destiny, a new short animated series coming to uh, Disney's YouTube channel in July. And it is a series, It's it, Dave Filoni's had a hand in it. It's a series focusing on the female characters throughout the Star Wars continuum. And they all feature, well, with, with the exception of Leia, the original actors portraying those characters, including Felicity Jones as Jin. There's a Hera one. There's a, there's a Rey one, yeah. Sabine gets one as well. In fact, uh, Matt and I saw the Rey one. Oh, how was it? It was great. It was it was actually uh, a and this is one of the one of the you know one of the few exclusives that we were treated to throughout this weekend. It was very short; it was like two minutes at most. But it it was a sequence that was planned but not made in its entirety uh, for Force Awakens. Like it's kind of a, a spin on an idea they had for something that I don't know how much ever got filmed or developed. So um, um, you don't even have to tell me. Just based on your reaction, I already know there's no Constable Zuvio. There's no Constable Zuvio. Um, there easily could have been, but uh, in this version, that might have overcomplicated Even all this it. time later, when they're digging up stuff, for Force Awakens, unused, still not showing up. It's about it's about Tito trying to steal BB-8 um, when when Rey's on her way to... Nima Outpost. Yeah. Um, and uh, as a, a cool cool little maneuver she pulls and shows how she she operates in that environment against adversity, and it, it's, it was fun and neat and bodes really well for for that entire series being cool i don't love the animation style it's very like web flash animation looking like several years ago not really current very um but but at least the the you know the writing will be on par the acting will be on par you'll see some characters doing some cool stuff and there's some weird things going on with it including um, unless i've Unless this is being misinterpreted, but I believe it was pretty straightforward. Uh, it, 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 I can see how they could have miswritten it in the press release if you're going where I think you're going with Hera. Yeah. Uh, there may be an episode that's Hera and Leia together on Endor. Let's let that sink in. Yeah. That, would they tell us that much about Hera's fate? Like in a press release like that? Well, in a way, they also told us that about Ahsoka's fate. So... Well, Ahsoka's, did they tell us when it was, though? Okay, so there's an Ahsoka episode where she's on Yavin. And we don't know We don't know what that means. It could be any time. It could be Ahsoka on her quests before uh, Rebels ever started. It's entirely possible. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like a lot of information to digest from some two-minute shorts. Right? Yeah. They uh, haven't even aired yet. Yeah. What do they mean? Uh, and there will also be, I don't know if it's a... There will be some kind of special, some kind of Forces of Destiny special on Disney XD in the fall. Disney Channel, I believe. Oh, Disney Channel? Which okay. I think has a lot to do with the way they're trying to market this outside their targeted boys market for Disney XD. Is Disney XD a boys market anymore? I mean, with the success of Gravity Falls and Star vs. the Forces of Evil? I mean, they're getting a lot better at it, but I mean, they still classify it that way. Ugh. But I... 
I can't tell if moving this to Disney Channel is to avoid that type of target or if that's in it's order like they're, to they're reaching out like they're reaching out for anyone who watches like the the sweet life with zach and cody or whatever i mean that's just probably not even on the air anymore yeah, it's probably been off the air, like, <laughs> but like but whatever whatever copycat carbon copied show they got to replace yeah. that they're gonna slip this in there where they reach reach hopefully a larger female audience and say, i just oh, i mean that's cool one of the most interesting things i uh, i noted was when they said that it was disney channel and not disney xd so that's significant that's cool but yeah, yeah what about what about this endor endor nonsense well, uh, during Rogue One, of course, there was the call for General Sendula, um, mm -hmm. noting a promotion on Hera's part, mm -hmm. um, which Dave Filoni said during uh, the press conference for Rebels, uh, which I attended, which which I will add is a, is a bonus perk. State of the Empire and all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network are entirely brought to you by your support. And we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdy show where we make a bunch of perks available. You can get a ton of at just a dollar level, including early releases, but at $5 or more, that's where you get all of our new perks from 2014 onward, including the full audio of the Rebels press conference from this year. Oh, nice. So, little little reason to help support State of the Empire if this is a show you like. That would be awesome. And I should also point out, any purchases you get through our Amazon store at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, just follow our links that all goes to support Nerdy Show, which in turn supports State of the Empire. Anyway, as I was saying, though, <laughs> the um, he said in the press conference that the uh, Hera's promotion to general will occur during season four of Rebels. And um, so that implies that Hera is active in the rebellion uh, ba based on her appearance in Rogue One, such as it was, and Chopper's as well. Uh, you know, that those characters will be active long after the end of Rebels because this isn't a spoiler, but Dave Filoni did announce that uh, Rebels is ending with season four. It will be the end, the an intended end to the show that the arcs will complete and it will, it will wrap. So um, Hera's story keeps going and it keeps going in Forces of Destiny, I would wager, because I can only imagine that this story with her and Leia on Endor simply must occur uh, you know, during the events of uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean, Leia's uh, Forces of Destiny uh, tie-in doll. Actually, they're not dolls. They are adventure figures. Adventure figures. I, I like that that terminology, by the way, instead of even going action figure. Because they yeah. kind of... They, they I really like them a Forces lot. of Destiny has a tie-in toy line, and they are great. Yes, very. They're, they're the proportions of a doll, mm -hmm. but with the posability and features of an action figure and like the look like as far as like just you know that adventure style like it doesn't have the the, the over beautification that like a doll does has like sort of I, it's it's hard to describe they're really cool looking. they're stylized yes but they're also uh, they're not barbies there's a luke one as well uh bespin luke specifically i saw the one with chewy with the hair that you can comb yeah, <laughs> you you can, you can comb it, or you can cover it in mud. Whatever you want to do, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and but but Leia's comes with a Wicket companion, so yeah. Wicket is involved. So I assume this and a costume change and a costume her, change. Her Ewok gown that the Ewoks fashioned for her. So I assume Leia's story is going to be in between them dispatching the two stormtroopers and then getting to the Ewok village. So like Hera's there, just part of the strike team or something, like. I, that's a that's a great question. I don't know, Doug. <laughs> well, and that ties in with something else that's new. 
Because for all of our gripes about Star Wars Celebration, there was some cool stuff. There's always some cool stuff. You get that many awesome people in the same space, it's going to happen. We'll, we'll loop back around to why the awesome stuff happening in panels is, in fact, a problem this year. We'll get to that. Um, but uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I'm finally going to play Battlefront and enjoy it. Because I'm not a multiplayer person. But I do love me a single-player campaign. And that game did look gorgeous. So what EA showed us was incredible. We'll link to the trailer you can watch um, on this episode's page. And there was also some stuff they showed us that didn't get shown anywhere else, which I will talk about. The single-player campaign is one of the most heavily integrated pieces of new canon Star Wars lore that has been made to date. It ties... Oh, man, it ties into so many things. It ties into the Shattered Empire comic books. It ties into a forthcoming novel which was developed alongside of it. It ties into Return of the Jedi. It ties into The Force Awakens. It ties into a number of things in between. It's being made by some hardcore Star Wars fans who love taking opportunities to better link this universe and fill it in. Hell, I would dare say it probably ties into that role-playing mobile game. I, I can't remember <laughs> yeah, the name. Um, yeah. <laughs> generic <laughs> generic name, named role-playing mobile game that we all played for a while. It made my phone overheat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the co-writers of, of the campaign is uh, the writer from Spec Ops The Line. And if anybody, has, anybody listening has played Spec oh, wow. Ops, they'll know that is one of the most interestingly written fps's i don't even know if it was it's a third person but still third just, person right yeah, right, right. It still is i mean it got it all up in your head it really did mess with you and so i'm i'm really looking forward to the potential of a era spanning campaign like that yeah it focuses on the leader of a special forces division of imperial trooper which has never been prior explored when they announced the book inferno squadron which we talked about in the last episode matt and i both wondered well, they just they just recently in an, an arc of the Star Wars comic, Jason Aaron's Star Wars, had a specialist platoon of stormtroopers that were kind of like Merc stormtroopers. They all had their own deals. Each each of them was sort of an, an individual, and they were raising hell and doing a good job. Isn't it weird that this book set immediately after the events of Rogue One as a response to the rebels fucking the Empire over in such a severe way would not be about those guys? Well, turns out it's because it's about this special forces team, the Inferno Squadron, uh, that it report directly to the Emperor. Not not just those goons that Vader hired to track down some rebels. These people are referred to by other stormtroopers as special forces. You see them in the trailer. They they they're on Endor, and a trooper's like, "Special forces? When did you guys get here?" And they're like, "That's the point." And they all look up at the sky, and the Death Star explodes. Yeah, it's it's great. Um. You mentioned the the tie-ins. Uh, one of the other great ones that people noticed in the trailer was there was a red figure with a hologram face that was walking around on the bridge of, of one of the Star Destroyers. Yeah. And those were in the Aftermath novels. They were called uh, Sentinels, I believe. And yes. they were... It's Palpatine's face holographically projected, and they're part of the Imperial propaganda machine that Palpatine was actually, in fact, okay and essentially still issuing commands from some hidden place that he managed to avoid and, the Death Star's And I straight up saw them in detail in the behind-the-scenes featurette oh, cool. that they showed to the audience after they cut the stream. And yeah, it is exactly that. It is gorgeously rendered. Uh, it was really cool. 
So Sam Whitworth, do you know? Could you tell if it was Sam Whitworth voicing the oh, Emperor? It's definitely Sam Whitworth voicing. The, he's in the he's in the trailer. Love that man. Yeah, I mean, who else would it be, right? Right, got to be at this well, point. Ian McDermott would be cool. The Senate himself. So, uh, it it follows the uh, the story that this game follows the story of uh, Iden uh, Verso. She's the commander of the Inferno Squad, and she is the daughter of a heavily decorated imperial general whose name i have written down somewhere but i gotta gotta find it because there's a lot of notes here um anyway regardless of that uh the the idea of this game is who are the heroes of the empire what is it that makes people enlist to be stormtroopers and be loyal so we know the heroes of the rebel alliance who are the heroes of the of the empire during the palpentine era and this is kind of the answer to that. She comes. She comes from a planet that her father um, runs, took over, put under imperial protection, and they like it that way. This is not the imperial occupation we so often see in Rebels. This is what it looks aesthetically like. Uh, well, much like the sort of futuristic late twentieth century Berlin is portrayed in Man in the High Castle or Fritz Lang's Metropolis. It looks like that but with huge red imperial flags everywhere. So this is an imperial planet through and through. She comes from that. You'll see this location in the game. It's an all-new planet, um, which, again, my, my notes were all scribbled uh, in near darkness during, during the show. Oh, it's called Vardos. Um, and uh, this, is, this is the continuity of the Inferno Squad this whole time. However, you don't just play this character. Somehow, and they didn't explain how, Somehow, during the arc of the story, you also play as Luke Skywalker and Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Make of that what you will. Oh, just like little cutaways and stuff, you know? Like, Ooh, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, they, they really they really did not go into it. I would like to play Luke uh, during the, uh, the operation in, in uh, Shattered Empire. That'd be cool. Well... <laughs> the uh, the host of that stage got really excited, asked a bunch of questions, got shut down. Wow! Again, make of that what you will. Cool, it's exciting. I need good. I mean, the the old LucasArts games added some of the best uh, you know Star Wars expanded content there was. I, I think that's a lot of the the sort of plasma of the Star Wars you know lore that we're missing in this new universe is like video game fill in. I think the comics have been doing a great job. I think the books are getting there. Well, the games are still getting there too. Like you know, they're they're still yeah I mean, gearing just, up for the one that's still unannounced. That which one. I've I'm actually I'm glad you mentioned that, Doug, because something I noticed. You know, I, as I mentioned before, it was no longer the EA Star Wars panel. It was mm. Star Wars Battlefront Two panel. No mention for the first time at Celebration since Disney took over of the Visceral Games game. Now, I I personally have heard from some people that know people at visceral that have come and gone as if that game is undergoing complete this was to be the spiritual successor to 1313 and Mm -hmm. the the star wars action game with Mm. amy hennig from the uncharted series like kind of leading and just with this is the first time they've had no mention and, and keeping in mind that the previous two times that they've had her involved in celebration she's been awful i mean she's got a particular kind of prickly personality that is just not good for being on stage hmm. and i have a feeling that game may never see the light of day just because it's in so much turmoil now yeah 
The curse of 1313 continues. <laughs> poor game. It's 213. What'd you expect? <laughs> <laughs> Doubling down. So other quick notes for fans of this game, people who want to play it. Well, uh, that that multiplayer just got a hell of a lot better. It's got many things that were missing from the original Battlefronts and more classes, abilities, building a squad of troopers who could potentially take on a hero first and foremost. Uh, well, or not first and foremost, but like collectively. Um, more heroes, hero vehicles, space battles. Prequels. Prequels, clone troopers, battle droids. Camino was shown quite a bit. <sighs> Uh, so if, if you, if you love the original Battlefront games, they're finally going to give you everything you wanted. Tauntauns. Very key. Rideable Tauntauns. Yeah. <laughs> you know, y- they make you play Hoth again and again and again, but I don't think you've ever been able to ride a goddamn Tauntaun in the middle of it. Uh, Battlefront 2. Oh yeah? I believe the Tauntauns. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, it looks cool as hell. Uh, also, one interesting note about the Inferno Squad is that um, Aiden has a Inquisitor-style droid clip onto her back. It's like one of those tiny probes that the Inquisitors use, and it clips onto the back of her armor. That's cool. You'll see this in the uh, in the trailer. It actually makes me wonder if the Inqu- like I probably not related at all, but if how the Inquisitor program is doing by that point. Yeah. By return does, of the Jedi. does it evolve? Oh, and the droids somehow are programmable. Like, there's a whole droid control aspect to this. Like, it's a game mechanic. I don't know. They didn't go into it, but it's there. And it's exciting. That release date is November 17th of this year, which is uh, pretty neat. So, uh, yeah, that's Battlefront. (laughs) That's the Battlefront tangent. And uh, like I mentioned, there's a lot to say about Rogue One. Um, There's a Marvel panel, which was kind of a disappointment, really. Uh, They had a book panel for Del Rey, of all things, where it, wherein they announced that there was a Captain Phasma miniseries coming out, written by Kelly Thompson, who um, I haven't always loved her work, but recently it's been very strong. Her run on Hawkeye that's recently started has been great. Her She writes Gem and the Holograms, but her recent Misfits book is a thousand times better. So I'm excited for that, and it takes place Immediately following or during Force Awakens, it shows how Phasma gets out of the how Phasma survives the Star Killer debacle. Ugh, does she get a red arm? Yes or no? <laughs> I, I, I hope it's five issues of just out of the trash compactor, <laughs> like just in real time. In real time, with you know all kinds of like I mean, going through just all kinds of harrowing things down there, going through the planet core, going through the. You know, a bunch of Dianogas, like maybe like Flaming Dianogas or something. <laughs> flaming Dianogas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great band name. <laughs> so they announced that book, and I thought, oh, surely they're rolling that into the Marvel panel. But they didn't. Uh, they did recently announce, as we spoke about in our last episode, that Charles Soule, writer of Poe Dameron and Lando and Obi-Wan Mannequin, is doing a ongoing Darth Vader book set not just after episode three, but it turns out immediately following episode three, as in it begins from the moment after, no, you see, essentially, they've described this as a horror book Mm -hmm. where Vader goes on a path of existential destruction across the galaxy because he realizes in that moment, that no moment, which looks so cheesy on screen because it fucking is, but in a validate, in, in Charles Soule's powerful tools of comic book validation, 
what he said was whenever Vader looks at himself in the mirror, he uh, he he thinks, okay, so I either embrace being this this nightmarish other person, or I go completely insane, trapped in this hell body which I have been condemned to. Mm-hmm. So. Becoming Vader is the path of pure anger, the path that Anakin was perhaps never courageous enough to go down in terms of Sith logic. And uh, we're going to see him get his red lightsaber, which will be acquired through the means outlined in the Ahsoka novel on how a Mm. lightsaber kyber crystal is bled. Um, Yeah, we will see him track down remaining Jedi, including, they said, known characters who will be put to death at Vader's hand. Oh, so new canon deaths. That's fun. Yeah. Um, they're going to bring Mace Windu back just for that, just to kill him. I'll be so mad. <laughs> like, so will so, Sam Jackson. I, I hope we get a good dichotomy between Vader of this era and Vader of... Well, I guess the unfortunate part, if this is Vader going on self-discovery, um, Kieran Gillen's uh, Vader was also sort of a self-discovery journey post-Yavin because of the, the news that the, he got yeah, in, in issue one. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder when we get so far the most like pure Vader Vader that we've ever gotten is the hallway scene in Rogue One. Mm, I mean, that's that's him at the height of its power. Not not really going through uh, existential journeys. Yeah, he knows who he is at that point. So they did show they showed us some interior art. They showed us the 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 first three pages of the first issue. Um, This book's not coming out for a little while, but like in in a couple months or so. Um, and the covers for issues two and three, uh, issue three has a Jedi on the cover whose name is Kurak Ephila. I'm probably saying it wrong. I, I wrote it down phonetically so I could try to remember it as best as possible. Um, I don't think he's, he's, I think he's new. Um, hmm. interesting. And, uh, and that, that was really, that was, that was it. It was a, it was an hour long panel and there were some neat little notes that were discussed, but, uh, I, I thought that they were going to really get into more news and announcements and so mm-hmm. on. And that didn't really happen. It was fun discussion regardless. Um, but at the very end, they did a thing, which I, w- I will present it to you as it was presented to me, which is, I feel, completely inconclusive, and I wouldn't get anybody's hopes up at all. But they asked the audience in a very leading way which era they would like a new Star Wars comic from. Uh, prequel, original trilogy, or new stuff. And... There was uh there was a little bit of prodding like comments from audience early on about we want Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So naturally, based on that Ahsoka seed, the prequel era got more love than it would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And this led I w- disagree. I vehemently disagree. I think everyone just remembers how good the prequel era of comics was. Because it was. Every, all the stories in the prequel era were, were, were the best from the old expanded universe. Well, the way the way that the, the, the discussion kind of went down between the stage and the audience, it, there was right. it was definitely like if you a vote for the prequels of era was a vote for Ahsoka. And then it ended up getting narrowed into like, oh what okay, so okay, so episode one, episode two, episode three, and this is all by audience response. Oh, episode three, okay, uh uh and and they were like, what about afterwards, the audience? Like, okay, so do you want, like, during episode three, or do you want, like, after episode three, before episode four? And, like... Oh, what garbage. So, <laughs> yeah, just leading to, like, oh, so wait, so, okay, so now let's pick some some characters at so, random about... Okay, so let's say Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, basically, a long, ten-minute long tease Yeah. for maybe there could be an Ahsoka comic. And maybe there could be. Maybe there could be. But that's uh, that's all I can leave you with because I don't. It was so so much fluff that I don't. I couldn't even say. And guys, guess what? State of the Empire exclusive. Uh, it's gonna be a Ahsoka comic. I believe it. I don't Man, believe it. But, I don't but, believe it. But, but it could happen. All this teasing with you know 
extra extra stuff with the comics and and now that we know that rebels is ending with season four well then that's that's where i'm gonna posit my theory i think we're going to get a a follow-up series to rebels that focuses on ahsoka that focuses on her life between episodes three and four uh closer to the original trilogy era like the empire at its height and i think we will get a kane in the last padawan like comic series about ahsoka that takes place after episode three that's a good theory, but um, w- does it end with her dying, <laughs> or does or does she live? The, 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 <laughs> um, Your insights aren't aren't uh, that I can, clear. I, I, I can tell you what I want. Difficult to see the future. Is. I want I want Ahsoka to be captured because she decides that she can reach Anakin. Mm. And oh, and then Anakin, we yeah, yeah, the poetry and, 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 rhymes. And, yeah, 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 yeah okay. exactly. We Vader, talked about that. Yeah, Vader yeah. to bring her to the Emperor. Yeah. For the Emperor to zap her to death, and she's crying out for Anakin to help her. And he doesn't do it. And he just stares. Yeah. And I still want her to be on Alderaan anticipating the return of General Kenobi. I just I think I think her on Alderaan is too high fiving Bail Organa. Uh, I mean that's great, but like it would be it's too there's much more Bail, my main her. man. <laughs> there, there there's there's more stories for her leading up to you know, like Return of the Jedi, if they wanted to. Yeah. Because she has to die in order for Yoda to say, you know, Luke when I'm gone, last of the Jedi will you be. Well to be because, fa- because to be fair, she left the order. Oh, but that's fucking bullshit. That's like, you know, th- there's gotta be that's like that's like that's like all right. You, with that same logic, it'd be like watching the teaser for the Last Jedi, and he's like, "It's time for the Jedi to end." It's like, well, it has fucking ended because as soon as you decide that there shouldn't be any more, there it is because you're the Last Jedi. Right. It's like that. It's, it, that's that same logic. So no, I don't and that's think so. by the way, people listening for fifty minutes already and thinking, when are they going to assess that that Episode Eight trailer? What's wrong with these people? Hey, that's a fair question. <laughs> what is wrong with this? Yeah. That, it's, a, it's a we love Star Wars so much, we went down these other rabbit holes instead well, of the, like, the glaring no, 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 hold on. Because everyone had a chance to see the trailer. If you've already seen the trailer, they you already, wanted, they you already have your own thoughts. It. But we're trying to give you the stuff that you didn't get to see. True, the stuff true. that you weren't there for. <laughs> we will get to that. We will We will get to that. Um, I think that it Dave, Dave Filoni is going to be at the heart of anything that happens with Ahsoka going forward. We know that. Sure. Yes. Like, and... His T-shirt. His T-shirt switched from a question mark to an exclamation mark. It was Ahsoka lives. And then and, it was Ahsoka lives. And then the, the lights went out. When it came back on, he had some tape over it, and it was an exclamation mark. Um, I'm telling you, this next series is going to be about Ahsoka. So here's the thing. I think there's also something to be said about a show featuring Rebels characters that takes place after Jedi, based on Hera's appearance in Forces of Destiny. Are you okay with Kanan and Ezra? I know you aren't, Doug. What? What about I, about them living? Yeah, I don't. Know. I like. I do. I love those characters, but they need to die. Like I, I, I don't know that they're going to be Jedi. I don't. I think something like some. There's a possibility that something like legit happens to them, because because and this this will this will they help get frozen in carbonite, all will, safe and sound. This will bleed until we into, thaw them out. This will bleed into the the the, the conversation about um, everything we we saw in regards to episode eight. Uh, that as we've mentioned time and time again, there uh, the story group seeds meta narratives in different places, just like how we had so many different mentions of kyber crystals and the mythology of kyber crystals leading up to Rogue One. Um, we have had a even larger narrative pertaining to the imbalance of the Force being the polarization of the Force, right? Mm. And that the uh, the line the most of all the things that we saw in the trailer for episode eight, the most important thing was what we heard, 
and that was Luke's nar- narration, which points directly to all the different things that have been occurring in transmedia properties lately. Talking about the like the the Jedi, what the Jedi represented. They represented a religious order based on a certain degree of emotional re- repression, a repression that in many ways caused the existence of Darth Vader. That Anakin Skywalker, had he not been... I mean, he was manipulated by Palpentine. Make, make no mistake about that. But in many ways, the repression of the Jedi, as we understood them in the prequels, were a major component and to They, they to strung, him. Him, strung him along a little and, bit too. And think yeah. about... What did we growing up understand the Jedi to be? We understood it to be what Obi-Wan Kenobi told us. Yeah. And that's Luke learned the same things we learned about the Jedi, that they were the peacekeepers of the galaxy, that they were basically badass heraldic swashbucklers doing cool stuff. But then when he reads the books or opens the holocrons or whatever he does. Yeah, I mean, his his through line so far for post-Return of the Jedi has been that he's on a quest to... I mean, both we got this in Force Awakens and in the Star Wars ongoing, or that he's, he's reconnecting... Like he's searching out Jedi lore and history. Dude, is Luke is the is this version of Luke going to be a meta commentary for how we feel about the prequels? Like how he learns about the Jedi and he's but, like, I but, was misled. But, but stop right there. Not just the prequels, also Force Awakens itself. Yeah, because Force Awakens is such a remake. Yeah, and yet it leads to the same conclusions. You have the you know the the Knights the, appren- the apprentice yeah, yeah. that goes bad yeah. the you know the the giant super weapon the yeah. imperials marching through and destroy fighting the resistance god if they make luke that guy who's just like i see through this bullshit you know yeah, like he's luke, like basically you know. like look when we do things the same way we end up with the same we keep movies we end up with yeah. the same orders we end up with the same stuff so it's in order in order for things different. to move on the jedi have to end so yeah. yeah, like, well, are we are we gonna launch another discussion about That's this it. now? This is it right now. Okay, yeah, we're there. All right, then, all right, then let's go. We're gonna go full bore because it's like, the the thing about that line, everyone's like, oh my god! Like the initial reaction was like, right. oh, it's shocking. You know, it's whatever. I was more of like, oh, that's fucking obvious. Like as soon as he said it, I'm just like, I was, yes, I was 100%. shocked at how bold faced they were being about yes. it because we've been yes. we've been discussing this for months now. Yeah, no, that's yeah, no, I I agree completely. I just I I, I felt affirmation <laughs> you know i uh i was like yes luke yes yeah. kill the jedi order fuck yeah. those assholes yeah because it's possible you gotta think bigger yeah it's possible that 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 following all the things that he found led him down a path that created ben solo yeah, yeah. It, you know being like the more you tighten your grip the more star systems will slip through your fingers and, and you know? i mean we even went there in the prequels once again i mean we, we talk about this quite often george lucas did a terrible job portraying that the jedi order in the prequels was at their decline yeah that this wasn't the like ben yeah, can, so, ben oh, oh, hints let, let that like, sink in let that sink in like if you've never heard anybody say that before because because i really hadn't heard anybody say it before yeah, until matt said decline. it to me like i mean i mean Mace, i mean Mace says their powers Windu, were weakening they couldn't yeah, see Mace Windu yeah. says to yoda it's time to tell the senate that we can't even see what's going on in the force anymore you know that basically Fucking like palpatine's under their nose like, and the, he's in the spotlight like and this, they still can't this see jedi it. order in the in in the prequel films is an order that is basically like they're just an arm of the like they're just like this weird religious police force that yeah. is at the mercy and, of the Senate. and miraculously yeah. as obvious as george lucas is with his references and with everything and else dialogue, about, dialogue is all it, on the nose yeah you know yeah he that was so subtle, no one gets it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the most key scene to all of that was the one that he cut at the end of Revenge of the Sith when Yoda is meditating and he starts to hear Liam Neeson's voice tell him that, like, I've transcended death. Let me show you the 
like the what the force is supposed to be about and they went back to the clone wars and in the the, the netflix episodes the exclusive yeah, yeah, season yeah, six yeah. liam neeson reprises his role and essentially reenacts that scene yoda's yoda. like in disbelief and in disbelief and actually like yoda is in disbelief again yeah. let that sink in yeah yoda the yoda He's of like, the prequels <laughs> the yoda of the prequels and the yoda of empire strikes back that is, a, that is a transformed yeah. like person and you know it's it's this idea of like the living force and, and being in connection with nature and all this stuff and like we got to keep in mind that the the Jedi Knights, the the heroes of peace and justice of the galaxy, and, and everything else, like that Obi Wan tells Luke about, is not the Jedi of the prequels. It's the Jedi of thousands of years ago that were probably more like knights errant, doing God, good deeds. I'm like restraining myself right now because I could just dive into like how this is so clearly George Lucas's interpretation of like Joseph Campbell mythology, right? Like because Joseph Campbell always talked about how how people would. If you're of a religious nature, you could like the goal is to live in a meditation, seeking nirvana, seeking that balance. Like mm-hmm. when you're trying to do that, yo, and the, the way a priest lives, you know, either in a church or like like back in the old days when like they would like literally live in the church and be like be surrounded by it all the time, living in a meditation. Right, that's what Yoda's doing on Dagobah. And and think about think about the Jedi of the prequels. They're just crusaders. It, yes, yes. They're being manipulated by the you know the yeah. like. Okay, so a bunch of a bunch of star systems are going independent. Let's because go of fight. Ta- you know, of taxation yeah, yeah. issues. And they're like, no, we're gonna now fight you for occupation of these different planets. Over fucking money. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's right? Like, yeah. It's so yeah. That is not a Jedi order worth looking up to, and it scares me that the conclusions that like that people, you know, people we know, including. <laughs> That people that the conclusions that they're jumping to that like let's give them a shout out. Hey, Colin Peterson, Hi, Colin this one's Peterson. for you. Yeah. <laughs> that that if you're listening, if you're listening to Nerdy Show, you know who this is. Yeah, that the, that the Jedi Order ending is about some sort of meeting in the middle and going gray thing, and it's not about like this weird meeting in the middle. It's about going back to what the idyllic idea of what a Jedi should be. Yes, and I think that's where the we're, Jedi that we as Fans as consumers were led to believe existed. Yes, yeah. the Jedi that we believed in were not the Jedi that were actualized, which is part of the reason the prequels are so fucking miserable to begin with. And we're gonna that we're gonna get the return of the Jedi that yeah. we believed in. Right, yeah. right. And who knows what they you know as far as like I I doubt Disney renames what order comes out of this. Like, I don't think they'll go away from the term Jedi because there's just yeah. so much money involved in that sort of thing. But like this new Jedi order, it's going to be a it's going to be a Jedi order that is l- less dogmatic than the prequels. and is much more of a, of a you know, attuned to the living force. Yeah, exactly. This know. is this is the direction. This is solving the prequels, solving the similarities that Force Awakens has to A New Hope, showing that if we don't change the way things are, we can't just kill the bad guys to go back to the glory days. You also have to change, you know, what's wrong with you. Yeah. And I think I, I hope and think that's where if, it's going. If, and, and I hope if we better be right, because this feels right. Just remember the, the the one of the most public defenders of the prequels over the last couple of years, Ryan Johnson on Twitter. You know, like I did not remember that. Oh, yeah. He he went in and, and, and like basically he like he saw somebody bad mouthing the prequels. And I wish I had them in front of me right now, the tweets. But he would like kind of came out and was just like. After somebody kind of rips into the prequels, Ryan Johnson uh, replies with, Psst, Devil's Advocate, the prequels are a seven-hour-long kids movie about how fear of loss turns good people into fascists. And then yeah. shrugging emoji. Yeah. Yes, and then, of course, the shrugging <laughs> emoji. And, of course, like most good people, they they lose the first arm somehow in the shruggy. Um, <laughs> but it's true. And 
the Jedi Order manufactured that fear of loss for Anakin. Mm. Because, you know, it was all about and, attachment. And Palpatine exploited it because yeah. he knew that he had it. Yeah. Have you ever like, heard of the tragedy of Darth Plagueis? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a story that Jedi Order would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... Th- th- I'm glad you brought that up because I I I don't I don't th- I don't know I'd heard that I'd heard about it and if I had I'd forgotten it and that's mm-hmm. really important I think that speaks that speaks to to what he's done and as far as how the film looks everything we've seen so far looks amazing mm-hmm. uh, I don't, did the stream see the the screenshots that we saw or the, no no we saw some screenshots they were gorgeous we saw Laura Dern's character briefly these were black and white photos taken by Rain Johnson on his old mm-hmm. Leica camera um, some great snaps I hope they publish them. Uh, uh, they they did yeah I've seen some articles about them okay mm-hmm. I, I actually kind of meant like in a photo book like after the film oh out, right like, right all right of them. yeah yeah <laughs> I, it's, it's just you know to finish up my message to to Colin I I don't have I don't think we have to worry that Christopher Nolan is writing this movie about like you know the the <laughs> because like, Colin is concerned that this is going to be grim dark like and and, and just you know of course once again like the the real enemy is you know man himself yeah. like no, it's yeah. not I, I, think, I, I don't think if, Luke is being sad in a cave somewhere I think Luke is enlightened yeah if if anything this movie is the opposite of that yeah. this is like I'm trying to remove that man is his own worst enemy yeah like I'm trying to get you back to what what Jedi should be. And and I think that Rey is... He might be in, in a grim place when Rey finds him. I mean, shit. Han Solo's dead. Yeah. But right. uh, L- Luke may believe that it's just not possible, that the cycle has to continue. But you, and, got, you better believe that Rey right. is, within the course of this film, going to open his heart all the way back up, and we're going to see our Luke Skywalker back on and, the screen. And look what Rey is right now. I mean, she is sort of that embodiment of the living force ideal. Like she literally just helpful and and positive and you know still a you know cunning warrior and like like Ray is more of a Jedi Knight than any person that's like uh, initially more of a Jedi Knight than anyone that's been on screen. So and far. I can't wait mm-hmm. to hear the explanation for that. Right, <laughs> but because because look at this way, like <laughs> but I like ever, her. Everyone pulls up the comparisons like, oh well, Ray's just like a female Luke in New Hope, and it's like, yeah, and who better for Luke to meet? when he's at a low moment, than someone that would remind him of himself. Like, the way she views what Jedi are, she doesn't look, she goes, Luke Skywalker, I thought he was a myth. I thought the Jedi were a myth. Like, the myth that she heard isn't that they were in decline and that they were, Mm -hmm. like, you know, emotionless monks, you know, fighting for trade taxation laws. She heard the romantic stuff, the same stuff that Luke heard. But then when Luke goes looking for the history and he just reads this bloody history of, like, a cycle that repeats itself over and over and over again, and he's like, we gotta shake it up. And now she shows up. Now's the perfect opportunity. It's that energy that that they need to forge a new direction. Now there was some weird stuff in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, books, because there are no books in the Star Wars. Universe. Yeah, never seen any printed paper. Yeah, you know what's, what's interesting is is uh, the the Claudia Gray novel Bloodline made a very uh, what I thought was strange, a very uh, pointed. I, like basically, there was a written down note, and Leia that that was weird for the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, yeah Leia, Leia gets tipped off that there's a bomb, and it's in right. it's in a note that's been hand hand. I think I think it's on like a napkin, like on yeah. her tail. Which uh, first of all, I find even no matter how futuristic we get, there can't be like I I find it hard to believe that written communication. Like I mean, there's backwater worlds in the Star Wars galaxy. Like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, there, there's graffiti on the walls. Of course, written communication is still yeah, Sabine a thing. spray paint. It's just a very strange <laughs> thing to include in the novel, but was very pointed about talking about it. And Ryan Johnson 
was very involved in this story's conception because he needed it to play into the politics of episode eight and and the power struggles and everything else. So my thought there is that when I saw those books, I think that might be a thing too. Is that like well, that's this is old, 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 old Republic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, and and the symbol there is the Jedi, the order Jedi symbol, order, yes, which didn't exist until the prequels were made. Correct. But now in continuity, we have no idea how old it is. Right. Interesting. Yep. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, the mo- for me, the most exciting thing I saw was the presence of the salt pl- salt flats in Bolivia, which yeah. we told you about last episode. And then just after we recorded that episode, Making Star Wars had this big expose about, hey, we hear something happened in Bolivia. Mm. What, what's crazy to me is, is that we've known about Dubrovnik Croatia's filming for just, I mean, months and months and months. Like, you know, all this stuff and then and all this stuff on Skelly, Michael, obviously. Yeah. But we knew about that from episode seven. But then when it came to it, like all of a sudden Bolivia happened and then Bolivia ended up being the only like new planet in the film <laughs> or in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Like it's crazy to me how quickly this Bolivia thing has like unraveled, but yet like the Dubrovnik Canto Bite Casino Bright, we whatever it is, it. like we yeah, nothing about it. <laughs> Not a thing. Yeah, and, and there's some. Or ca- did we? There's these things, they're called skimmers. Or is that like? I mean, there's no official name for them. Yeah, there's, I've seen now two sources refer to them as skimmers. There's these, there's these things that kind of look like bee wings, skimming red dust on the surface. We've heard making Star Wars reported that it that the world, uh, which is called crate, or I it's C R A I T. I haven't heard anyone say it out loud yet. That could be crate. Could C- be crate or crate. I mean, we were wrong about Scarif which is now Scarif. Yeah. Um uh that it is a mining world where the resistance gets uh ore and gems to both fund their projects and also to use and it's something dating back to a resource they used as the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's what they reported. We don't know how true it is. Um and certainly that that footage does nothing to even suggest or imply that. Uh but we do we also heard about walkers approaching um in that scene and in fact you can see some boxy dots in the horizon um that that might end up being the most concerning thing about this teaser yeah yeah for me at least yeah but there was another thing that you really got your goat matt well it wasn't even that was concerning it's just a legit complaint of what a waste of three seconds (laughs) well my actually yeah that's true My, my, my biggest issue though with the with the trailer was uh finn like shot why? What? What a wasted shot! We yeah. know he's in a coma. That shot does nothing to even show us where he is. What? He, like, there's that it shot. Shows you he's in the movie, and as yeah. if as if you weren't expecting it yeah, anyway. Why not give us like some like show him, show him, him running? Show him, oh he got better. You him know, in a new like, costume. Yeah. Him on a ship. Him like why do you waste a like a shot of him in a coma? Like I just it, that is the most sloppy marketing filmmaking I've ever seen. Like that's. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, they just maybe maybe any shot of him doing something really cool like, was I, a little spoilerific. I want I want to be I want to be clear about the, like this movie. Like yeah, but I mean, based on the way they well, filmed Rogue One, there's probably lots of shots they won't Finn's, use. <laughs> in a, Finn's storyline is going to be the thing featuring the most stuff we don't know about. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. gonna. It's like it's Dubrovnik. It's the new character played by Kelly Marie Tran, whose whose character's name is Rose. Um, and maybe the stuff with Laura Dern and Leia and Leia's hairdo is incredible oh, in this yeah. movie uh, and and also Carrie Fisher Carrie Fisher did script doctoring on episode 8 hmm. 
How wonderful is that? So it's awesome. She she and Ryan Johnson bonded as writers and hung out for like six hours plus on end, and he'd scribble notes and alter things. And you know, there That's was awesome. lots of criticism about uh, her stilted performance in uh, in episode seven, which I understand it was not great. Uh, but maybe now that she's like. I don't know what JJ's method was, but maybe now that she's like writing her own lines, potentially yeah, yeah. this will this will be a very good swan song for Leia. I mean, she's already like I think if it, I think it was Kathleen Kennedy already said that she's terrific in episode eight. Yeah. So well, I she, well, she's not going to say she's terrible. Well, were, I know, but it's also something like she's still a little stilted. Give her some time. Well, like well, they would never but, say but, that. But always uh, people always point that out. Someone's not going to say that someone's bad. But also, someone also doesn't have to say anything. Right. Like, and I think the fact that like they pointed that out in particular, and people, maybe means people we, we have already, more scenes with her than we realize because there were also people are going to pay a lot more attention now that she has had her you know tragic you know un- unfortunate death. But so like I don't think you want to bring attention that like you have an opinion that it's great unless like it is at least good yeah but um yeah i i I just want to be clear also by the way i i like what i see in the trailer this movie still like gives me a lot of i mean i think this movie's gonna be fantastic but i think that trailer was terrible it was a (laughs) terribly cut trailer it reminded me of the very first force awakens teaser we got where it was just a bunch of shots and you just sort of go those were still exciting shots i mean they still showed us um I mean, it's it's it, Finn popping up, BB-8 rolls around, stormtroopers are shaking. Yeah, but Ray's Ray cool, fudgesicle speeder. Uh, it gave us the the, cro- the, the cross the guard, Falcon the cross guard lightsaber. I mean, that that and shot. That's it. But that, I think, but I think that, we named all that of it. That teaser was showing us stuff that at the time we'd never seen before. Right? No, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. But and, but and in, this ter- was, in terms in terms of story context, right. it was z- literally zero. So. This is the same thing. It's just with characters we've already seen before. But also, it was like narrated by a character we knew nothing about at the time, Snoke, which yeah. was really cool. Like, you know, something like there was so much. It's, it's almost new. it's almost the same teaser. Even with even you have a shot of the Falcon coming in with ties behind it. I know, know? but like, but not not well chosen shots this time. I, I would agree totally. But like, it's I don't know. I mean, maybe they just really wanted to save everything for some crazy. Like maybe Dubrovnik is too crazy to show well, on screen. Wait, which, but, which points to this being a very weirdly protective uh, celebration, right. hearkening in potentially a new era of overprotect of of even greater secrecy protection and which I and, guess is good. way to go, Except- guys. We blew it with Rogue One. <laughs> This is I, the movie just got so much. I mean, when that the reshoot rumors first started, I mean that movie just was being torn apart by fans yeah. as if they had already seen it, including us. I mean, we all did it. I mean, we all. You know, I was optimistic. I didn't tear shit. Up. I mean, optimistic, like, but like still just <laughs> criticizing concern the, of just like, hey, how come you went ahead and did this? I will and, say you know. mostly to be. I think I think we mostly criticize the the process of being so shady about. What you're redoing in the movie? Oh yeah, because they were because yeah, yeah, they had yeah. Anthony Bresnikan boldface lying about what was happening. Right. Yeah. Which we all every, we had like. Well, now they now we can be lied to and won't know it. That's the thing. See, there's a difference <laughs> between the way like publicists and marketers when they get their like their involvement now with the production process is they need to spin it in the most positive way. But like the disasters on set for various things on Empire and Jedi, I mean, those are like legendary things. Like, and now we'll never get to know them or no. revel in them unless like somehow the curtain goes down later down the yeah, line. This is, this is the, you know, the, the downside of, of social media interaction is they see, you know, that plus the, the whole phenomenon of the Disney vault. Right. You know, so 
Yeah. Um, now let's let's talk about the convention. Uh, okay. So, one would assume you pay hundreds of dollars to get your pass, and and you go in, and you have an equal chance to see and do anything and everything. And with Star Wars Celebration, if you're not familiar with how how it works, they have a really modest sized dealer hall, um, spread out in a way that offers way way more space for people to move around in a convention setting. It's kind of nice actually, but there's not too much there. It's only official Star Wars merchandise allowed. There's a special section for approved artists to sort, sell their wares, um, but uh, you know no one doing their own fan projects. That's not allowed. There's there's signings. There's an exclusive store. The real heart of the show is the panels. That's where all the coolest stuff happens. That's where anything exclusive that's happening is happening there. In this case, um, well, they had the celebration stage was in this this sort of large, uh, small opera house style amphitheater built into the convention center. And the main stage, the galaxy stage, was in a smaller convention area. Neither remotely seated as many people as in the stadium present at Anaheim. Mm -hmm. And yet they were doing bigger things. So people were, as usual, waiting in line overnight and less people were able to get in. Now, Matt, um, I I had a different experience than usual this year um, a little bit because I, I, we were only, like via consequence of sound, we were only given one media pass, which is highly unusual, but that was apparently part of the course for most folks. And I'm also covering for, due to a, some strange serendipity, the largest Russian science fiction magazine, Mir Fantastiki. Uh, and only through Mir Fantastiki's credentials did I get access via press wristband to all of the biggest shows. Otherwise, I would not have been able to get in as media. I would have been less than media, but less than media. It's a very strange situation. And that's fine because the show is for the fans and media should face restrictions Though it also had a lot of press announcements, so it's difficult to juggle those two things. Right. Which is it, guys? Yeah. Um, anyway, I got to see a bunch of stuff, do a bunch of stuff. But Matt, you had a four-day pass. So why don't you talk about your experience? Because so, I think it's very telling of what's happening now. It is. I mean, these 40 passes aren't, you know, they're not inexpensive. That's for sure. <laughs> no, they're I not. I mean, they're, you know, I, I, it's been a while since I bought the tickets, but they were, you know, quite you know, it's hundreds of dollars. Yeah, hundreds of dollars plus travel plus hotels and you know everything else. And now because of the line culture, the line the, like the line systems have been standardized into very specific rules like, you know, times that they're allowed to start queuing up for overnights, nights that they're allowed to have overnights, and even it's gotten to the point where all of the panels are wristbanded. And you were limited in the number of wrist of, of wristbands you could get. So as as a normal ticket holder, you could Damn. only have two. So you had to choose like and what this two is not panels. all panels, but it was the big panels, the big panels, the big ones that everybody wants to get. Yes, into. everything on the celebration stage, the galaxy stage, and the behind the scenes stage. So when you would go in, the first thing you saw before you even got into the expo hall queue was a series of 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 line shoots that was like. You have to go down and then get your wristband, but you were limited to only two on your right hand. So you had to like, you know, after already paying a bunch of money, you had to then decide, you had to, to, to sacrifice your, you know, your ability to, you know, 
want to go to certain things or able to go to certain things. Yeah. So it was, it was almost an extra premium. It's gotten to the point where it would have made more sense just to have an online system to buy wristbands for these panels. I would feel less offended if they did that. If Last Jedi was like, oh, and, you know, tack on $30 for a Last Jedi wristband or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like they're making these people show up at three in the morning or, or actually the, like, lines, make your choice, the line you started know? at like 8 p.m. And it's like now you get your wristband and now you got to wait in the queue. Like it, it's it was so I mean, Funko's like vendor booth did a digital um, line system where you would get a reservation to go into Funko's booth to buy stuff. The Star Wars show, or I'm sorry, the Star Wars store, the official celebration store. Oh man, was a four-hour line to get in to browse some merch that was exclusive, but mostly T-shirts. Like ninety percent of the stock was T-shirts, and then get into a checkout line that was an hour long. What? They had a fast pass option for the store, where you could come back during certain half-hour periods and just be let in. But by the time like those would sell out, I mean not sell out, but like you know those would be distributed just like Disney. Like and be done, yeah. Within an hour of the sh- show floor opening, and then you would get inside and still have that hour checkout line, but also like your time. You know, if it was like three p.m., you go in and like everything's yeah. clean- cleaned out for the day. Yeah, like the Lego store had a massive line that was like an hour long to get in. Like, okay, so so the Funko one that I already mentioned, online you could buy a reservation at some point up to two p.m. and if at 2 p.m. they would open it up to a, 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 a an actual traditional line. But because it was a line, people were queuing up for the 2 p.m. opening at 10 in the morning when they, the show floor would what open. The fuck? So people were sitting on the floor in a line for four hours to be let into the Funko booth. I, this is wrong. This is fucked up, and none of us should participate in it. And we shouldn't. And this isn't just this convention. This is this is becoming a weird norm. That for, like, for nerd for the, culture. For, for nerd culture and big conventions. And like it has to come to some sort of like, like the dam has to break. Like, you know, the levees just have to like, like we shouldn't be doing this for like exclusives. And like, this, this is why I, I, this is why I didn't go. Because I didn't want to sit in line. Well, and also you know. because we didn't get the press pass for you. No, that's true. <laughs> but th- but I but even 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 then I would have been like, you know what? I'm not going to go. Because I had because I had things to do. I have an editing for nerdy mm-hmm. show. I have other things I got to do. And then it's like, I don't want to go sit in line to just to get into a store right and then be shooed out a store you know? that is on the property of something that you've already purchased admission to yeah. to it's, get it's to like, the expo floor you've already purchased a so you, $150 you spend plus money yeah. to wait in line to spend money to wait in line to not go to the fun things because you weren't there at 8 p.m. the yeah, previous ha, night. Yeah, you know, if, if you're if, if that panel's going on, the one that you got the wristband for, if that panel's happening while you're waiting in line for a Funko Pop that you could get online 3 right. days later, Sorry, like, you like, know. If I, I didn't have my media credentials, this would have been a miserable show. Yeah, the under like I will never buy another four day pass for this event. Like I, even if it's in Anaheim, because like, because it's it was be something kind of a miserable show for you. right? It was a miserable show, and I, I'll like I'll be honest. Like this is the other thing too. Like for those that did wait in those lines overnight, like don't fool yourself. Like you're there as a marketing tool. You're being used for the goodwill of. You know, Ryan Johnson, and by the way, Ryan Johnson looks legitimately like happy and, 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 you know, like, I mean, very uh, humbled by the experience of all the people waiting. What you're referencing here is that Ryan Johnson spent four hours in line with people in the middle of the night, hanging out, signing autographs, talking to people. Right. For the Force Awakens. But, but make no mistake, that was done 
with the intention of having lots of photos, lots of social media. So everyone goes, oh my girl. The the official Disney photographers out there taking pictures and posting it online so that there are articles in Entertainment Weekly and Hollywood Reporter and Variety and all those things that are saying Star Wars is huge. Star Wars is great. You need to get on the Star Wars bandwagon and be one of these awesome fans. And like they are awesome fans. But you're being used. Like... There's no reason that system has to exist, especially... These are, these are huge movies that everybody wants to see. This is entirely unnecessary. And and that the and these cool products, these cool limited edition products, they are limited edition because they know there's only a small like group of people who want something that's that nuanced within our a subculture within our subculture. But that doesn't mean that they should subject people to this. In fact, it really in no way benefits these companies at all except for the potential of advertising the hype that they had right and then that it goes on to the panels themselves the hosts they choose for these panels by the way everybody i mean the hosts that that lucasfilm and disney and and reed pop or whoever gets they're usually like they do a good job they're genuine people who actually love this stuff and are actually knowledgeable yes and and i mean i will not fault them themselves but the coaching they get to constantly mention how much of a fan they are and how they're the work that the the panel guests are doing, and I'm not talking about necessarily the actors and filmmakers, but also like the the behind the scenes people, the you know production designers and the the creators and and all these people behind the scenes, they're constantly coming back and saying, "Oh, the work we're doing is because we know as fans ourselves what fans like you want." And then pause for some cheering. And I mean, nothing was bigger example of this than the the disney parks panel which was one of the giant the the biggest circle jerks i've ever seen they gave away like no real information except just some very 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 lofty expectations of interactivity that like there's going to be like um this is star wars land you're talking about yes like uh resistance fighters like fighting with stormtroopers in the streets and like you know basically stunt shows in front of you and that like the actions you might take on the Millennium Falcon ride might end up putting a bounty on you that if you're in the cantina later a bounty hunter might come get you and like all these weird like you know some really I, I great... remember similar promises about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah, this, I mean there's some I would lofty, love to see all that come to fruition but it is impossible especially yeah. in crowds that big. Yeah, and the crowds will not subside for years. So you won't get to have that intimate experience. I really don't think that this is like they're because planning by the for time those crowds subside, all those things will have been phased out already. Right. I mean, by the time I mean for yeah, yeah. exactly. A- because after the third time somebody kicks a droid over, that's a free roaming droid. They're gonna pull the droid off the street. You know yeah, what I'm and and for all like you know, you can't keep paying stunt actors that long. Like yeah. like you know, they can't. That's gonna be for the first year for the spectacle. Yeah, and it's just not going to. I I, I mean, I I want it to be great. Like I I you know, I want it to be a dream come true, and that's what they. But they kept saying over and over again that they're doing it as fans themselves. As since I was a boy, I you know would draw Star Wars and wish I was on the planet. And like I don't know the the and how are you going to have a stormtrooper shootout against resistance fighters when there's no laser bolts? Well, I don't think there was any pew, shooting. Pew. It, was, it was more like pew, pew. the they showed us a uh, like a training video going on right now, and it was basically like Ray kicking ass type thing. You know, like oh. with a staff and and crashing and like the carts with a baton, like very much so. Yeah. Ah, whatever. It's like stop her. Why don't we use our weapons? I don't know. Right. Like, <laughs> so because there's innocent civilians nearby, yeah. holster that weapon, soldier. <laughs> and you know, they said they're going to add like canon history to this planet, so that this planet has clearly been something that's been part of the Star Wars universe for thousands of years, and like you know, all kinds of weird. I'm sure the technology in there is going to be awesome, but there's no way the lofty expectations they're setting up. 
as much as I hated this panel, <laughs> it is worth a watch just to watch how bad like that part of the panel was. The first half of the panel was great. We got some great inside information on like what went into the creation of Star Tours, and Anthony Daniels was there, and they confirmed that the crate, crate planet, whatever they're calling it for episode eight, will be added to Star Tours by this holiday season. Nice. So that's going to be really cool. It's going to be great. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I I love the the premise of this. I don't. I just don't believe when I see it. Um, but what you were saying about the the pandering from the hosts in, in the scripting, it's just it's just a shame. It's just it's just a shame that they don't respect us enough to treat us like people. We're right. not people. We're we, we we as nerds and as fans are but cattle to them. And I get it. They're a, a big corporation. But it's like, but these people who are who are telling us these things, they are fans. They don't need to right. be poked and prodded. Right. I do this kind of hosting work when I'm at conventions, smaller conventions, where I don't have someone coaching me on what to say, and I do just fine. And dude, when we were at the one in in Anaheim, the most genuine panel that I saw was the one that Cap. I think you and I went to. It was for the um. Uh, like the line producers panel for for Star Wars Rebels, and they used to work on Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and they were just like, "Oh my gosh, we're actually going to fill this hall!" <laughs> like they they were like, "We were so surprised that people want to hear what it's like to be a line producer." Um, anyway, here we go, and they show you spreadsheets and shit, and it, like it would otherwise be so boring, but they were so endearing the entire time because they legitimately didn't think anybody would show up. And there are cool things like that. Like we didn't have something as specific as line producers, that, at least not that I right, saw. Right, but, but just yeah. But like I saw I saw Doug Chang, uh, the production art dude uh for since since episode one uh draw for the for the first time in years with markers because he's he's all digital now because the film production has ramped up Mm. so and it was it was beautiful it was beautiful watching him work um and and he gave out you know like practical pointers for anybody who who's into that kind of work as i am and so that was it was it was really great to to see him do that see his craft and there was other other wonderful experiences like that um but uh I mean that was not a it's something you had to get a wristband for, but it was something you had to show up definitely show up early for, which is fine. That's that's you know if you wait in line like a regular normal line, if it's just first come first serve. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. It was a mess. It was a genuine mess. It, in fact, it was so much of a mess from a logistics perspective that uh, they actually issued an apology at the end of the first day and promised that there would be more opportunities to uh, to load into the uh, convention center and not just one entrance and. Uh, where apparently things were strangled up in yeah. terms of people and 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 that's you know because because once you go beyond formalizing this sort of like line waiting nerd culture like that's when you tend to screw up like mm-hmm. you know there was there was a time when it was you know fun and exciting to see and Star Wars contributed a lot to that line culture I mean literally starting in 1977 yeah but we don't need to contribute to this like I I, I want to point that out too I think Reed Pop did a terrible job with the show overall like nothing made any sense at all but us as fans kind of are to blame for it too. Like as much as, you know, Lucasfilm and ABC, you know, Disney and everything else with the pandering, like we can demand that they do better. We can demand say, you know what? Uh, I don't really want to do that. I'm not going to wait in line for this. And they're just like, well, why not? Because I'm, because I'm like the same dude here. I think here's, here's a a decent example. I can't remember where I read it online, but it was, it was legit source, like legit news site that said, um, someone from EA said that there's going to be no season pass for battlefront two. Right. And it's just like, Gee, 
I wonder what made them decide to do that. Do right. you think maybe it's that fans were pissed off and saying, I'm not paying for this. Don't do this ever again. But instead, they spin it like, you know, we were listening to the fans and we said, we need, we want more people to play together and to divide them up. That's not good. It's like, yeah. And all but, of a sudden, but it's, you a win, knew that, it's a win for EA. Yeah, mm-hmm. you knew that when you divided it up in the first place, yep. but you just said, here's a way to get extra money. But then when you got the negative, you know, knee-jerk reaction, it was, oh, Oh, they bite back, you know, and yeah. so <laughs> yeah, the, the the Xbox One uh, version of the game was almost dead. In you population. have that power too. <laughs> That's the, what I'm trying to say. It's like we could, you could make it happen. They uh, they actually there was a moment where they're like, and we have a pre some pre order bonuses. We're really excited about, and the crowd goes boo. And they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. They're 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 really cool. You just you pre order and you get uh, you get some extra you get skins, extra costumes, and, uh, costumes. And, yeah, you know, uh, and and that's another thing that we need to understand too. There is no problem buying the sixty dollars version of the game yeah like i mean unless obviously some games do put stuff like game breaking or or you know competitive advantage type stuff in 70 dollars versions and plus but like you know don't support the 70 dollars version of the game if, if, if it's game. unfair yeah yeah like personally i will probably buy the 70 dollars version of the game because i like what they're adding for the 70 but i've had no issues buying the 60 dollars version of the first battlefront it was fine oh i, I should add there's actually one interesting piece of news involving the uh, pre-order for battlefront that uh, it it uh, it's Ray Kylo the Falcon because the ships are you know he- the ships are heroes too now you get right. you fly a hero ship yep um, and a TBD um, first order starfighter which is the rumored Kylo Ren Tie Fighter yeah so just uh, that's a thing so look forward to that soon but not the pre order unless you well, unless you want it because <laughs> it's just pre order I mean you either want the game or you don't exactly. So. And it might be cooler to watch other people fly around in it. Who knows? Yeah. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait and see what people say after they play it for the first time. Because I did the same thing for the first Battlefront when I finally played it. I was my expectations were more realistic, as that it was a half completed game. It was more like a training level for Battlefront Two. But hey, it is what it is, and it's still fun. But because of that, I have different expectations. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> That uh, that about does it for our Star Wars celebration panel. I, I got a, I found a couple other other things worth noting. One is that uh, in the Poe Dameron comic, Mister Bones from uh, Aftermath is going to show up, yeah. and uh, there's going to be a character death in issue thirteen, which is the next issue. Oh, uh, and in issue fourteen, there's going to be a funeral, which Charles Soule wrote as a kind of uh, like just after Carrie Fisher had died. So mm-hmm. there's some of that embedded into mm-hmm. the story, and. Uh, we were shown a clip from Clone Wars that is, I believe, canonical and has never aired, much like the uh, the Bad Batch episodes, or a clip we saw back in Anaheim two years ago featuring an episode on Tatooine, it would seem, where Boba Fett was under the tutelage of Cad Bane. In this sequence, which Dave Filoni indicated took a whole bunch of time to be cleared by Lucasfilm to be shown, we see, uh, we see Cad Bane and Boba Fett in a Western-style gunfight. This is all in the roughest animatics possible. Uh, 3D animatics, I should add. Quick shots between their guns, their eyes, their hands, their fingers twitching. Boom, boom, boom. It builds up, and then bam! They fire on one another. And this is because something... I don't really understand the context, but something bad has happened between the two of them. Like, there's a hostage involved, and they're, they're having some kind of falling out. Both of them go down. Cad Bane might be dead. We don't know. But Boba, what you see, is you see his helmet on the ground with a dent right in it. And that's how Boba Fett got a dent in his helmet. It was showdown with Cad Bane. Pretty cool. All right, sounds, sounds freaking awesome. Plo cool, in fact. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's a whole nother level. <laughs> and 
before we go, before we go, I want to give you a little bit of a Willow Watch update. In the last episode, we put out a call because there's going to be no Star Wars celebration next year. In fact, it's happening in 2019. And we want to do something for Willow's 30th anniversary, which is in 2018. We want to put on a Willow convention somehow. We don't know how we're going to do this. We know that we might need to talk directly to Lucasfilm and they might say no immediately. We don't know what we want. We just want to do something publicly where people can gather together and talk about Willow for just one day. Invite everybody we know. Network it. Try to get some appearances from people we've never met before. Maybe Willow himself. While we can grease those wheels, make those connections happen and do all that work, we don't run events. We don't know about running events. And that means that we need your help. So if you would like to help us put on a Willow convention in 2018, we don't know if it's possible, but we want to explore that possibility. So uh, drop us a line, info at nerdyshow.com. All our remaining notes, the cool things we saw, well, all that pertains to Rebels and Rogue One, and we'll be focusing on those in episodes to come. So stay tuned for that. And again, if you like what we do, definitely head to nerdyshow.com support where you'll find links to our Patreon, our Amazon store, a way you can give us a one-time donation. And, uh, and also, you should rate and review the show on iTunes because that's the only way that people can uh, discover us. Unless, of course, you want to tell a friend. That's also an option. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us for State of the Empire. If you have any thoughts or feelings on it, be sure to uh, comment on this or maybe join us in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group if uh, you're you know stout of heart and not afraid of a spoiler or two. Or a lot. Or all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like all the spoilers we mm-hmm. hear. But that's that's our that's our kind of a, our, our live hub for communicating with everybody. So uh, if you want to go there, it's, yeah, it's a, well, there's the price of entry, and that is the knowledge going into a film. But hey, whatever. It's just a stupid movie anyway, right? 